Have you been told that the pre-tribulation rapture of the church is a silly, unbiblical concept? Have you been assured that if the tribulation begins in your lifetime that you as a believer will have to endure all the horrors of it and that you will most likely be executed by the Antichrist? Well, I've got some very good news for you, so stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I have two colleagues in the studio with me today, Nathan Jones, our internet evangelist, and Tim Moore, our associate evangelist. They're going to join me in discussing a new book of mine titled, The Rapture, Fact or Fiction? Actually, what they're going to do is grill me about the book, and that is why I am sitting in the hot seat between the two of them. So guys, let's get it over with. Get going. <laughs> All right. So Dave, why did you decide to write this book about the rapture? Well, I was going through my library one day, and I have a lot of books on the rapture, and I noticed that they fell into two categories. They were either highly theological, or they were down to earth, but extremely long. And to the point that you almost could not see the, the forest for the trees. So I decided what I wanted to do was to write a very simple book for the person who knows little or nothing about the rapture that could also be used by a person who wants to teach about the rapture, and that this book would be less than 100 pages. That was my goal. I wanted it to be that short, that concise, and that direct and to the point. And uh, I almost achieved that. The book is 104 pages. <laughs> but that includes, that includes reference yeah. notes. Yeah, I but, think you hit the mark, actually. Well, the, the other reason I wrote it was because I had become increasingly concerned about the vicious attacks on the concept of a pre-tribulation rapture. You know all about that, uh, Nathan, because yeah. you get that all the time on the Internet. But the, the attacks seem to be growing in viciousness and growing in number. And I think the reason for that is because Satan does not want anyone to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture because that gives people hope. And he, the last thing in the world he wants anyone to have is hope. Right, right. Well, since you talk about attacks on the rapture, well, maybe we could cover that a bit. You have actually part three here, the objections. You have 13 objections, and you cover the, all the major ones about why people have an objections to the rapture being pre-tribulation, in other words, happening yeah. before the seven-year tribulation occurs. Uh, let's start with this first one, and I run into it all the time to people who aren't very familiar with the rapture concept. They say, well, I just can't find the word in the Bible. Where is it? And, and the tragedy about that is that even people who know the Bible in detail will often make that, they do that yes, argument. They do. Well, it's just not even mentioned in the Bible. How could it be a legitimate uh, doctrine? Well, it is mentioned in the Bible, point blank, uh, in the Latin Vulgate. The Latin Vulgate, Vulgate means the common Latin. Okay. That was the Latin that people spoke in the, in the Middle Ages. That, that came into being in about 400 A.D. Uh, Jerome uh, translated the Bible into Latin. And that was the fundamental Bible of Western civilization for almost 1,200 years. Oh, yeah. Only one you could get. Think. King James Version, 400 years. This yes. was 1,200 years. The only Bible used in Western civilization was the Latin Bible. And in, in the uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, it says rapture. And uh, in English, to express the concept of rapture, you have to use usually two words, taken out, snatched out, taken away. 
something like that. So, in terms of speaking in shorthand, we use the word rapture, which is a perfectly biblical word. After all, a word doesn't have to be in English for it to be a biblical word. This was a word taken right out of the Latin Vulgate. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of doctrines that we believe in that are not mentioned by name in the Bible. For the example, the word Bible, right? The yeah, word, the word Bible, Bible is not in the Bible. Yeah. Neither is Trinity. Neither is atheism, neither is divinity, monotheism, Shekinah glory, age of accountability, and incarnation. In fact, the word Sunday you can't find in the Bible. Well, so, I like to point people to 1 Thessalonians 4.17, which reads, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, they're caught up, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we always be with the Lord. So, like you were saying, the Latin Vulgate is uh, rapio, and that comes from the Greek, which is harpezo, but since neither of us read Greek or Hebrew, we have to go to the transliterated right. word, right. where caught up is rapture. So, if anyone wants to find it, 1 Thessalonians 4.17. Amen. That's a great explanation. I love the fact that you point out those other words are not in Scripture, but they are common use words within the church today. Well, some actually, Dave, also object to the pre-tribulation rapture concept because they say it was not taught by any of the church fathers. How do you respond to that? Yeah, they uh, argue that it's too uh, too new to be true or Very that true. it's not uh, written, uh, ad adopted by any of the uh, early church fathers. Well, you know, the thing, it depends on what you mean by church fathers. True. Yeah. <laughs> now, I would argue that it is mentioned by the true church fathers, which are Peter and Paul and John and, John. and Jesus Christ Himself all talk about the rapture. Amen. So, uh, uh, the fact that the early church fathers, the ones that came, let's say, after the church was established between 100 and 400 A.D. are usually the church fathers. They didn't speak about the rapture as such, but the one thing they did talk a lot about was eminency, that the Lord could return any moment. And in those early days, they had not really thought through all this to realize the fact that the Lord could not come at any moment if all the prophecies in the Bible are going to be fulfilled. There's so many prophecies that have to be fulfilled before the second coming, not a single prophecy that has to be fulfilled before the rapture. And I don't think they thought through that, but they would certainly emphasize the fact that the Lord could come any moment. And folks, you know, if the Lord can come any moment, there's got to be a rapture, because the second coming has so many prophecies that has to be fulfilled before the second coming occurs. Well, right. didn't the early church fathers have to deal a lot with how to oh. build a church, how to keep uh, Gnosticism and other yes. heresies out? They really weren't terribly interested in eschatology. And they did wrote very little about it. They very were little. concerned about those issues that you just mentioned. How do you okay. organize a church? How does one church relate to another church? Are they independent? Do they have somebody over all of them? And so they were concerned about those practical issues. I love the fact that you point out when Martin Luther was challenged at the oh. Diet of Worms to defend his new theology of salvation by grace through faith. They said, well, that's too new to be true. And he said, actually, that is very uh, well established in Scripture. It's just not been practiced by the existing yeah, that church. That was their fundamental argument. Age. Too that's new to be true. He said, the, none of the popes ever taught that. None of the church. And yet he was teaching right out of the Bible yes, that salvation was. is by grace through faith and not by works. Exactly. I love uh, that diet of worms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about a diet of worms here. But you, know, you keep saying too new to be true. When did the rapture view become popular? Because I hear that all the time. Well, you're teaching something that's a new concept, therefore it can't be yeah. true. Well, uh, what people need to keep in mind is uh, two things. First of all, 
The reason that the rapture concept came later in church history is because about 400 A.D. the Catholic Church adopted amillennialism as the official eschatology of, uh, eschatology of the church. Okay. This is the idea that Jesus is never going to return and reign on this earth, that there's just going to appear and we all go to heaven with Him and that's it. And because that was the official doctrine, anybody who differed from that was burned at the stake with their writing. So we really don't know how many people may have had this idea. They but there was other problems. The average person in the Middle Ages could not read or write. Okay. Uh, and for, furthermore, they, did, they couldn't get copies of the Bible. Well, they would be killed for having a Bible, quite uh, the, frankly. The Bible was written by scribes, and, and you had to be very wealthy to have a copy, and the Catholic Church kept the copies from the people, so they had to accept what the priests taught. And uh, so they never had a top opportunity to study the Bible. Furthermore, the average person could not begin to study the Bible until, number one, they started getting education. Number two, they started getting copies of the Bible, which came with the invention of the printing press. And then there's another problem, and that is that the Bible itself says that many of the end time prophecies will not be understood until the time comes yes. for them to be fulfilled. We're understanding prophecies today that we never understood before. And this concept of, of a rapture, people say, well, it all began with a particular person in, in John Darby in the early 19th century. No, we now have a, a publication uh, by a, a, a fellow named William Watson, uh, who is a professor of history in Colorado Christian University called Dispensationalism Before Darby. It was published in 2015 and it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that the concept of a rapture existed 200 years before Darby. And he says, in fact, it demonstrates the belief was held not only by Baptists, but by leading Anglicans and even by Scottish Presbyterians. Speaking right. of Scottish Presbyterians, and I have to point out, I know people today who will remember Bibles being chained to the, the pulpit or to the altar oh, yeah. at the front of their church wow. building, really? and people not allowed to even take it home and read right. within their lifetimes. But you mentioned Scottish folks believing in this concept. There are some who scoff today, and many of our viewers may not be familiar with a woman by the name of Margaret MacDonald, oh, but a young gal who saw visions, and some scoffers will say, well, she's the one who came up with this whole idea. And you well, respond to that as well. Yes. Uh, this came out in 1973, a fellow by the name of Dave McFear wrote a book called The Unbelievable Tree Trib Origin. And he's got a kind of a uh, cottage industry here. Yes. He has republished this book six times under six different uh, titles, and it's almost the same book every time. Yep. Not exactly, but uh, almost the same book. I've, I had never even heard of this until I had, you know, maybe 20 years ago, somebody came to me and said, don't you know that pre-trib rapture came from this little girl who was possessed by a demon and, and had her. So I got the book, I read it, and that was his thesis. It came from this demon-possessed little girl in Scotland, and uh, that's where it came. Well, the funny thing, I read the whole book, yeah. then I got to the, to the, index, to the appendix. It had the vision. I read the vision, and I read the vision, and I read the vision, and I read. I could never find a pre-tribulation rapture in the vision. It's just it's not, not there. there. And in fact, there's a group in California that that uh, produced a four-hour video attacking the pre-trib rapture, and the whole video was based around this girl, and that's where it came from. And then at the end of the video, the guy looks right into the camera who produced it, and he says, our position is that Margaret MacDonald's end-time rapture vision is convoluted, and we can't say for sure that <laughs> Margaret MacDonald had a partial pre-trib rapture in mind. Duh. <laughs> I love what you actually write, and this is where I come from as well. You said, I came to a belief in the pre-trib rapture through my study of the Scriptures. And I would dare say anyone who opens the Word of God and studies will end up coming to a pre-trib rapture conviction as well. Well, the important thing is not where it originated, 
not how old it is. The important thing is, does it fit with the Scriptures? Absolutely. Do the Scriptures teach yes. it? Is it biblical? In fact, there's one group that's even attacked it on the basis that the people who came up with the idea were immoral in, in their conduct. Come on. The only thing that's important is whether or not this lines up with the Bible, and it lines up with the Bible, and I think I proved that in this book. You can obtain a copy of Dr. Reagan's new book, The Rapture, Fact or Fiction, for a gift of $15, including the cost of shipping. The book contains answers to 21 of the most frequently asked questions about the rapture, and it provides Dr. Reagan's responses to the 13 most common objections. Additionally, the book begins with explanations of what happens when you die and what will happen on the day of the rapture, both to the living and the dead. The book ends with an uplifting, inspirational presentation about the blessings of the Bible's promise of the pre-trib rapture. The book is written in Dr. Reagan's usual down-to-earth, easy-to-understand style. Again, it can be yours for a gift of only $15, including the cost of shipping. Place your order through our website at lamblion.com or call the number you see on the screen. If you call, please do so Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time. Considering ordering extra copies for your church's pastor and educational minister. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion of Dr. Reagan's newest book, The Rapture, Fact or Fiction. So Dave, i got a really tough one for you now. We're going to turn to 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 3, which says, Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is, is revealed, the son of destruction. So, does that not teach that the church will be here present to witness the revealing of the Antichrist? And it how does that comport? It certainly does not. It teaches exactly the opposite. And I'm so glad we finally got to this because this is the fundamental biblical argument. All the other arguments are based on myths and, and mm -hmm. folklore and uh, emotion, but finally we get to a biblical argument. Yep. And this is a strong argument in behalf of a pre-tribulation rapture. What happens is that when they use this to uh, argue against the pre-tribulation rapture, they always leave out verse 2. They go from verse 1 to verse 3, and therefore verse 1 speaks about our gathering to Him, which is a reference to the rapture. Then they go to verse 3 and say, it will not occur until the man of lawlessness is yes, revealed, I've and so we're going to be here in the uh, tribulation. But that's not what it's referring to. In ver verse 2 he goes from the rapture to the day of the Lord, and the it in verse 3 refers to the day of the Lord, not the gathering. The day of the Lord is the tribulation and the millennium. We are currently in the day of the Holy Spirit. The day of the Lord is the tribulation and the millennium, and eternity is the day of God. So what he's saying here is that uh, the day of the Lord will not come, the tribulation will not come until this uh, happens. And he says it hasn't happened. The, uh, the, the Antichrist has not been revealed, and so you're not in the day of the Lord. What? Here's the deal. He was with the Thessalonian church only a few weeks, and yet he considered the rapture to be so important he taught it to them during that time. And so suddenly they get this letter signed by him, but it wasn't really from him. It was from some fake letter. You know, we have fake news today. <laughs> this was a fake letter. Fake news. And this letter said, you're in the day of the Lord. They thought they had missed the rapture. So they write to Paul and say, hey, we, you know, what, we've missed the rapture. He said, no, 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 you haven't missed it. it doesn't, it's going to occur before the day of the Lord. You're not in the day of the, Lord. the day of Lord. That's a perfect explanation. And really, so, I, I love the fact that this does prove the pre-trib rapture. Yeah. I also love the fact that Paul, 
even though he was only with the Thessalonians for a matter of weeks, was already introducing them to eschatology, end times things, which means modern churches, we shouldn't wait years yeah. and years he and years. He considered Bible prophecy yes. that important. It surely was. Now, those who Still hold is. to the mid-trib rapture always latch onto that verse, and they think, well, the Antichrist will be revealed mid-trib when he uh, desecrates the temple. But Daniel tells us the Antichrist will be revealed when he makes a peace covenant with Israel, yes. which starts the tribulation. Right. Well, we, we've dealt with a bunch of the objections to the pre-trib rapture. Yeah. Why don't we get in then to the uh, what supports for the okay, pre-trib yes. rapture. Dave, uh, why don't we start with that? All right. Well, uh, one of them is the fact that uh, the Bible says over and over that we as Christians are promised deliverance from the wrath of God. Yes. And uh, that's what the tribulation is all about. The tribulation from beginning to end is the pouring out of the wrath of God upon those who have rejected the grace, mercy, and love that God has provided us in Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the greatest uh, passages there is 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10, which says uh, that we are waiting for His Son from Heaven whom He raised from the dead, that is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath that is to come. Now that's pretty, uh, pretty definite. Oh, definitely. He's going to rescue us from the wrath that is coming. Later on, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, God has not destined us from wrath, for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 3, 10, Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing that hour which is going to come upon the whole world to, hit, to test those who dwell on the earth. So deliverance from wrath is a guarantee for those of us who are believers. Another one is the focus of the tribulation. And I could go into great detail about this. I want the book, you could read the book and find out. But the focus of the tribulation is the Jewish people. Uh, the tribulation is the last seven years of the prophecy that was given to Daniel of the 490 years, the 70 right. weeks a year. This is the last of those seven years mm -hmm. when God is going to focus on the Jewish people and He's going to fulfill all the promises that He made to them during that time, all of which are listed in Daniel chapter 9. So again, there is no reason for the church to be here during the tribulation because the focus is on the Jewish people. We're in an overlap period right now. Uh, the church age began with an overlap period. The church was established about 30 A.D. It was 40 years later in 70 A.D. that God poured out His wrath upon the Jewish people and removed them from the scene and scattered them all over the world. We're now in another over, uh, overlap period where God is beginning to turn His focus from the church to the Jewish people. Yes. And soon, very soon, we're going to be taking out the church and He's going to really focus on the Jewish people. And the, one, the fundamental purpose of the whole tribulation is to bring a great remnant of the Jews to salvation. And the Bible indicates that every Jew that lives to the end of the tribulation will come to the end of himself and will look upon him whom they pierced and will weep and will and mourn and accept him as Lord and Savior. Another of them is eminency, which I've already mentioned, but I mention it again. The Bible emphasizes over and over, and I give many, many quotes in here of, of scriptures that mention eminency, that we that the that the rapture is imminent. That means it could occur any moment. The second coming is not imminent. If you only believe in the second coming, then you cannot believe that Jesus could come today or He could come tomorrow because there's too many prophecies that have to be fulfilled. You're looking for the Antichrist. Well, you have to, you have to have the rebuilding of the temple. The Antichrist has to come. Uh, all these events have to take place before the second coming. Mm -hmm. So, the only way there can be imminency is for there be a rapture that could occur at any moment. Yeah. And then another one that I mentioned is biblical uh, examples. We have, for example, with the the previous pouring out of God's wrath in in immense form was the Noahic flood. God took Enoch out of the world before the flood. Enoch was a Gentile. Enoch is a type or symbol of the church being taken out. Noah is a symbol of the Jewish remnant that's taken through and saved. Uh, or take, for example, Lot. 
before yes. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Lot was taken out. God takes out the righteous. Or consider Rahab taken out of the city before the city is destroyed. This is what God does when He pours out His wrath. And, and uh, uh, it's referred to by Peter when he talks about the fact that God knows how to save those who are, are going to be subjected to this. So, I think you have all of those as examples of rapture in the Bible. And in fact, there are many raptures mentioned in the Bible. Most people think the only rapture mentioned would be the rapture of the church. But I, I give a whole list in here of raptures that have taken place, like Enoch and Elijah, uh, the two witnesses that you mentioned earlier, uh, the, the rapture of Jesus. Yes. Uh, you know, there's so many raptures mentioned. John transported to heaven to actually witness what was going on and in it, heaven and, and yeah, be and, dictated letters. And Philip had a horizontal rapture. Yes, yeah. he did. <laughs> Where God picked him up from one place and put him in another. <laughs> well, I think you've just captured the important argument, most important being the eminence of the rapture, uh, most important argument on behalf of it, and even the passage in Revelation pointing to the concept of rapture <coughs> included there as well. What about folks who say, well, couldn't the rapture occur as a stage of the second coming itself? And, well, and you've answered that well, in general, but well, specifically. No. Now, this is, this is the most popular thing that people are coming up with these days. They're saying the rapture is a part of the second coming. Uh, this is referred to derisively as the yo-yo rapture. rapture. It's the idea that Jesus will appear, we'll all go up, meet Him in the sky, be made immortal on the way up, and then we'll immediately come back down to earth and reign with Him. There's a lot of problems with that uh, particular concept. And in fact, I don't want to do all the talking here. Why don't you mention what is one of the major problems with that about the fact that there can't be a population for the millennium? Absolutely. Well, okay, if you rapture everybody up at the end of the tribulation and they get glorified bodies and they come down, and God has the sheep goat judgment, and the sheep are the ones that live into the millennial kingdom, where well, glorified bodies are like the angels, we're told, they don't reproduce. How then would you have a millennial population during the millennial kingdom if everybody's in their glorified bodies? You have to have people remaining in their earthly bodies. Therefore, the rapture cannot happen at the end of the tribulation. The only way you can have a millennial population is with a pre-trib rapture. Because what happens then is that there are people who are saved during the tribulation. And those people who live to the end, many will be more, perhaps most, but at the end all believing Jews and all believing Gentiles who lived in the end will go into the millennium in the flesh. But if you have the rapture at the end of the tribulation, then everyone who's a believer has an immortal body and there's nobody left to go into the millennium in the flesh and we don't have anybody to rule over. Well, that brings up the question then, and Tim, I think you touched yes. on it just a little bit. Can you find the rapture in the book of Revelation? Not specifically, but it certainly is implied there because uh, in the uh, book of uh, Revelation you have the first two, well, actually the first three chapters are focused on the church. Yeah, uh, absolutely, all church. Totally on the church. He, he sends letters to seven different churches. The first chapter is also on the church. And then suddenly in chapter 4 John there's no right. more mention of the church. Instead a door opens in heaven, John is taken up, and I think what is a symbol of the rapture, he's taken to heaven, and you do not have another mention of the church until the end of the book of Revelation in the very last chapter, chapter 22. The church just disappears. And people say, oh, but all through the book of Revelation there is a reference to saints, over and over yeah. saints. Who would they be? Well, those are saints of the Old Testament era. Those are people living on this earth who are going to be uh, martyred during the tribulation time. Well, he's talking about people who are saved during tribulation. Exactly. Yeah. There, there are references to Old Testament saints, and we know that they play a part when the Lord comes back, and they are resurrected then. But all the saints that are mentioned throughout the tribulation are people in the tribulation 
who accept Jesus Christ and are martyred by the Antichrist. Yeah. Now, how can, okay, so then that brings another question. I'm going to, I'm going to start no, turning this on you. Oh, yeah. That brings yeah. another You're question. That seat. question <laughs> is, how can they be saved during the tribulation when the church isn't here? And that's one of their major arguments. It is a if major the church argument. isn't here, how can they be saved? So tell, fellas, tell us how. Well, that puts a whole lot of uh, responsibility on the church. And we yes. are given the privilege of sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the actual mechanism of salvation is not the church, it is the Holy Spirit. Yes. And just as the Holy Spirit was here upon the earth prior to the church, as He filled different individuals throughout the Old Testament, He will again be here touching individual hearts. The Holy Spirit is not going to be right, uh, now, persona now, non grata yeah, on the earth. He's going to be witnessing to people, but let's get very specific. How are people going to be saved during the tribulation? Well, the Lord has a few mechanisms. For one, though, we'll see the rapture. So the tribulation, maybe time Some period before. Say, hey, hey look, yeah, now I know there is a God. Uh, the end of the Gog and Magog war is, it says that the whole world will know there's a God. There will be no more atheists after that. We then get into the tribulation and we see that there are two witnesses, two witnesses. in Jerusalem. And they, for the first three and a half years, witness on behalf of God. He then leads 144,000 Jewish people, 12,000 from each tribe, to come to know Jesus as their Savior. And they become evangelists during that time. They're sealed and protected. And then, and this is the part I love the best, oh, yes. a gospel angel, an angel <laughs> who actually goes out and literally shares the gospel with every Everybody person on the planet, fulfilling the Great Commission. Before that, the final pouring out of God's wrath. Absolutely. You know, I heard people today mm -hmm. say, well, the Lord can't come back because we have not yet fulfilled the Great Commission. And that is actually a good argument to say, mm -hmm. let's get to busy fulfilling the Great Commission. But again, it puts all the the expectation on us to do that which only God Furthermore, can do. that's talking about the second coming. Yes, it is. Yes, and so not the all of humanity will hear the gospel before yes, the second coming will. through that gospel angel. We should be motivated to evangelize the world. Sure. We should reach lost people groups today in every tribe, tongue, and nation. But we know that God Himself has promised He all right, now will Now let me give you a counter argument something you said. You said the Holy Spirit is going to be here and the Holy Spirit is going to be witnessing to people and, and yes. drawing them to Jesus Christ. Well, those who believe that the pre-tribulation rapture is a bunch of bunk, they will say, hey, wait a minute, just hold on. The whole, you say that the church is going to be taken out. Isn't the Holy Spirit going to be taken out at that point? So, will the Holy Spirit be around during the tribulation? The Holy Spirit is not limited in His presence. And so, no, the Holy <laughs> Spirit will not be taken out in terms of His ability to touch individual hearts, just as He was in the Old Testament. Yeah, well, the, the point is that the Holy Spirit has a special indwelling in believers. Certainly He does. But He is also omnipresent. Yes, He is. And so, when the church is taken out, Yes, we, uh, He uses us today as, as a force to, to limit evil in the world. At least that's what we're supposed to be we're doing, supposed to but be we're doing not that. doing a very good no. job of it. But He takes us out. That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is taken out. No. It means that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He will still be here witnessing during the tribulation. Yes, How do you take an omnipresent being out of anywhere? <laughs> I've always wondered, and we get this question a lot too, children, when the rapture happens, you know, people say, well, will the earth be depopulated with children? Will pregnant women all of a sudden their stomachs will, will collapse because the babies are taken to heaven? Is there something in the Bible that teaches us definitely that's That's probably that's my the case? longest chapter, and I'm the longest okay. answer that I give in this book and it's a is to that question because yeah, I try right. to give a very balanced answer to it because. Uh, People have a lot of good arguments in behalf of that uh, with regard to Jesus' uh, attitude toward children and so forth. Uh, but uh, the, I conclude that I believe the Bible infers, because it doesn't directly answer the question, I believe the best inference is that the, that the minors, we're talking about minors now, not mm -hmm. 
people above the age of accountability, that the minors of believers will be taken out with them, but not the children of unbelievers. There is okay. no example in the Bible of children of unbelievers being saved from the wrath of God in Noah's time, in Sodom and Gomorrah, whatever. But I think that the children of believers will be taken out, the little children of believers. And uh, you, I, I think there's even a logical answer to that. Why would God take out His beloved church and leave their children, little minor children behind, to be orphans, orphans subject to the Antichrist? Dave, you did such a good job in the hot seat. I think we'll keep you there for a while. <laughs> well, folks, this is our program for this week, and I hope it's been a blessing for you. I hope, Lord willing, that you will be back with us next week. Until then, this is Tim Moore speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 